0: Montana spring morning praise God can somebody give me an amen Amen. spring you showed up late but God bless you (laughs) well I am excited for this brand new message series that we are starting today called everyday saints everyday saints and I just want to start out by giving a shout out to those of you who are joining us online and our church in Eureka come on can we give it up for our family online and our family in Eureka I'm so grateful for technology that allows people that can't be with us to be with us. And even though I love what God is doing in the room, I believe God has something special for you today as well. And uh, here we are, a brand new message series after Easter. And uh, honestly, I'm very excited for this message series. I believe that it's the missing link, if you will, in our church life. And so uh, God just impressed this upon me uh, about a month ago as I was praying and asking him, God, what do you want to speak to Our church during the season and I do believe that God speaks in seasons and he always speaks in a season to prepare you for the next season that he has and so as we get into this message series I hope that you're gonna plan on being here for as many weeks as possible because they're gonna build on each other but but today I want to talk to you and the title of my message is made for more made for more now when I was 19 years old I had probably one of the most significant moments of my life as, as a 19-year-old who had recently graduated high school. Um, a bunch of my friends were going off to college. They were joining the military. They had they had plans for their life. They had goals. They had aspirations. They had direction. They had purpose. They, they had calling. At least it, it seemed that way from my perspective. For me, I'm like... Where's all my friends going? Where's the party on Friday night? Like I, I, was, I was used to living life for the weekend. I was used to living life for the moment. And uh, those of you who have heard a little bit about my background, when uh, I was in high school, I ran away from home as a sophomore and was a homeless teenager. Uh, lucky for me, my girlfriend's family at the time decided that they would take me into their home. I lived with them for a little while. Moved in with my father in New Jersey for a little while. But I had this deep inside my heart in my soul that I couldn't shake and with everything in me I was trying to fill that void and fill that pain with everything that this world seems to offer to do just that yet there was something missing I couldn't figure out what it is so 19 years old after a night of partying after taking my Prozac that my psychiatrist had prescribed to me because I was dealing with anxiety I was dealing with depression after popping a sleeping pill on top of the alcohol to try to help myself fall asleep because I had too many sleepless nights. There I was, at 2 in the morning, staring at the ceiling. And for the first time ever, I verbalized what was happening in my soul. I stared at that ceiling and I said, God, if you're real, you've got to show me there has got to be more to life than this. In that moment... I verbalized this longing in my soul, which I now know today was something that God put in not just my soul, but in the soul of every human being. In fact, in Scripture it says that God planted eternity in the hearts of men and women. So there's something innately built into our DNA as human beings created in the image and the likeness of God for a purpose that we know instinctively there's more to life than this, that we were actually made for something more. And for many of us, we live every day in the back of our mind with that aching feeling as we go to work, as we punch the clock, as we collect our paycheck, as we come home from work, as we sit down on the couch and crack a beer and watch a game and go to sleep and get up and do it all over again for many of us, life can become about making a living instead of making a life. And I believe when I read the Bible that there's something that is entwined all throughout the Bible like a thread, that you and I were made for something more. And so I I have a mission during this message series starting today, and that mission is this, is to awaken you to the fact that you are a saint set apart for a purpose to live out every day your saint set apart for a purpose to live out every day and but here's the problem for many of us that statement seems so foreign it, it, we seem so disconnected from from that reality of what god calls us compared to what we are used to living in every day and for many of us we're doing good to just survive And get by the day or get by the week so we can we can kind of make it to church and and get a little bit of Jesus and get our fill for the week to kind of keep us going but but I believe more than ever that God has called us to something so much more and unless we as the people of God get awakened to the reality of who God says we are and it's living out that purpose that God has called you and set you apart for every day. That every single day that we don't, that we are missing out on the greatest opportunity to be used by God to make an eternal difference in this world that which we live. And for this time and season for which you're alive. And I'm alive. And yet the reality, again, is, well, isn't that for you, Pastor Lance? And isn't that for special people? And I want to help you see and unpack for you in Scripture today that that is the farthest thing from the truth, that God has called everyone who has been born again of Jesus a saint who's been set apart for a purpose to make a difference every single day. So I want to start out with this, the fact that you are a saint. Did you know that this morning, that you're a saint? In fact, I want you to do something. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell him you're a saint. Now I want you to turn to your other neighbor who you don't like as much and tell him you're a Satan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That kind of reminds me of a, of a, of a good Boudreaux joke. How many of you like a good Cajun joke? Have you ever heard a good Boudreaux joke before? Those of you in the South, especially uh, for Louisiana, you know what a good Cajun Boudreaux joke is. One of my favorites is uh, Boudreaux sitting in church one Sunday morning, just like you are, and, uh, and, and the church is full, and everybody came to you know, worship and hear a good message. And all of a sudden, poof, right in the middle of the sanctuary, Satan shows up in smoke and lightning, and people start running for the back door, and they run out of their church, except for old Boudreaux. He just sit there with his arms crossed like this, looking unimpressed. And Satan is just bewildered. And so he comes up to him in the third row, and he says, you know who I am? And he says, yeah, I know who you is. And Satan takes a step back, and then he comes back to him, and he says, and you're not scared of me? Nope, I ain't scared of you. And Satan is just mind-blown, bewildered. And he comes up to again. he says, why, are, why is everybody else run out of the church, but you're not scared of me? He says, eh, pretty easy. I've been living with your sister for the last 40 years <laughs> Oh, and by the way we have marriage conference coming up in in a few weeks you can sign up at the Connect Center just in case you took that a little too serious but the reality is is oftentimes if we're gonna be honest with each other we wonder like are we bipolar am I a sane am I a sinner you know who am I and and the Bible is clear, and I'm going to show you in Scripture. And really through through this this main Scripture that in 1 Peter, that, that God put on my heart for this message series. And it says this, 1 Peter 2.9. But you, ready to say you? You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm going to say that again. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And yet when we read that, yeah, that's worth a hand clap. We give praise to God. But if we're gonna be honest with each other, most of the time we don't feel like saints. We don't feel like royalty. We don't feel chosen. We don't feel like we're holy. We feel anything but. In fact, um, I wanna ask you, when you think of the word saint, what comes to mind? If you're like me, or most people, it's probably like this picture of Saint Peter. You probably think of somebody like this with you know, robes on, halo on the head, Uh, doing the little curveball thing with their hand, you know, just blessing, looking real stoic. Bless you because, you know, they've been in the holy place. They've been praying for 12 hours, fasting, haven't eaten anything, and they are holy. They are a saint. But I would contend to you that when we think of the saints in the Bible, that they were average, ordinary people, just like you and me. In fact... The Bible says that Jesus, when he came, he didn't call those who were in the hierarchy uh, of government. He didn't call those who were famous. He didn't call those who were the most religious. In fact, he rebuked those who were the most religious. He didn't call those who had made it up through the ranks of Harvard and Princeton and were the most brilliant minds of the day, like we might think. No, 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 no. He actually called those who were fishermen. He called those who were tax collectors despised by their own people thinking that they were traitors. He called the radicals the ones that were the misfits in society, the outcasts, the forgotten ones, the ones that nobody thought they were going to amount to anything with their life. These are the very people that Jesus called and set apart. They looked more like this than the little curveball guy with the halo on his head. They looked like average ordinary people like you and like me called to be saints set apart for a purpose to live out every day but here's the problem that I I believe exists in the church today is that how the church was birthed, how it was started, where it began with Jesus making a declaration based on the apostle Peter's saint peter's declaration when when jesus asked him who do you say that i am peter stood up and under the unction of the holy spirit said i believe that you are the christ the messiah the living god and jesus said you are correct and he said and from now on you shall be called peter and upon this rock i will build my church and for the first time the word church is used in the bible And the Greek word for church is the word ekklesia. It it means literally the called out ones. In fact, it wasn't even a religious word. It was a civic term. It was used to call an assembly for citizens. It was actually used as a military term sometimes to call those who are not in active duty into active duty into the military. It was a gathering, an assembly, if you will, a calling out for a specific purpose setting apart for a specific purpose. But here's the problem. What Jesus had originally intended for the church, which was this beautiful, messy, organic movement of ordinary men and women like you and like me who were called out and set apart and were using their life every day for a specific purpose for which they were called out for. In the beginning, they were scared for their lives. Standing in a room, 120 of them, on the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, that on that day, as they waited for this gift that Jesus promised, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon the church. And that in that moment, they would be transformed into average, ordinary people, to blood-bought saints that were called out and that had a specific purpose to live out every single day. And as they started living out that purpose every day following the leading of the Holy Spirit that others began to come to faith in Christ. And what started as this beautiful, messy, organic movement where they met in homes and they met in public places and God was moving and thousands were added to the faith daily, my Bible says, daily. And they broke bread and had fellowship together and they lived out their faith in their everyday lives. Until about 313 AD, when after years of proclaiming Jesus and preaching the gospel, finally there would be a Roman emperor, Constantine, who would get saved himself. And in turn, he would take Christianity, which used to be this rebellious sect of religion, and make it the national religion of what is now known as Italy, and back then the Roman Empire. And it was a slight change, but a significant one, because something started to happen to the church. It started moving from a movement to a mausoleum. It started moving from a movement to a monastery. And what, what was this beautiful move of God, that all these people that were overlooked, average, ordinary, that they were a part of this movement. Now, as the religion, of Christianity was adopted into Rome it started to become institutionalized and it started to become organized and in the process it started making saints and priests and it started separating the average ordinary people from the saints the priests if you will who were the ones who were the holy ones they were the ones who were set apart for the work of God even so much so as they translated the Bible into Latin, which was not a common everyday language because they wanted to create the separation of those who were in the know and those who had to listen to those who were in the know. And this shift happened. In fact, translators started changing the translation from ecclesia to the Greek term kirch. And the term Kirch was the translation for church, but there was a significant difference between the ecclesia, those who were called out and assembly to gather together for a specific perso- purpose, versus the German word Kirch. Kirch was the name of a, of a cathedral. It was the name of a place that you went to instead of a movement you were a part of. And this was a significant shift from what God had originally intended in birth through the church. But what happened is now there became this separation of the priests or the saints, if you will, from the average ordinary people. And if you wanted to hear the word of God, you couldn't just read it for yourself because they translated it into Latin. And most people didn't know, uh, didn't understand or weren't educated enough for Latin. You actually had to come to the church, a place, to hear the word of God spoken to you, and you had to trust the priests that they were going to speak to you the truth of God in the word that God intended. Now, this changed everything. For hundreds of years, the church, that was this beautiful, organic movement empowered by the Holy Spirit became this religion that was dead. I remember... Um, when I was in uh, business, before I became a pastor, I, I, I was in uh, business. I was a part of a, a high-tech company. And part of my job was to uh, sales and marketing. And my company asked me to help them start a European division of our company. And so um, I started traveling to Europe quite a bit for business. And it was interesting to me, coming from America over to Europe, um, I was fascinated with European cathedrals. Like some of the cathedrals in Europe are just absolutely amazing. I mean, some of the most beautiful works of architecture you've ever seen are some of the uh, most well-known and beautiful cathedrals. And so um, I would whenever I would take a business trip, if I had some extra time, I would go visit some of the cathedrals. And it was interesting because when I would go visit some of the cathedrals, I would stand, literally stand outside and look at the beautiful architecture and all the the time and the effort and creativity that went into creating this beautiful, awe-inspiring building, Uh, It's beautiful stained glass. And I remember I would go inside and and sometimes I would do a tour of the cathedral. And it was always a little creepy to me because what I found out is they would oftentimes take the dead bones of saints and they would bury them under the communion table. Or in this one cathedral I went to, which was really creepy, they had like this clear glass where you could actually see the dead corpse of a a saint who had passed on in the cathedral. And it's like, you know, do I light a candle? I don't know what to do with that, but I'm gonna keep going. And uh, that's a beautiful stained glass right there. But what struck me about visiting these cathedrals was this, where once these were built and people would pack the house to worship God. And these cathedrals that once were alive with worship now were these dead cathedrals that were selling tickets for people to come and see what once was, but was no more. And I just wonder if we are going back to that place where church has become this consumer-oriented thing that we attend once a week, but we don't participate in. And I'm here on a mission to awaken you as a part of God's holy church, of as part of His holy nation, a royal priesthood. Some of those, some of us who have been called, set apart from God by God, to a purpose greater than what we know. And I, I believe that if we're going to do that, the first thing I, 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 that we have to recognize is that I am called to be a saint. And so I came up with a little declaration that I believe that we can say over yourself because I believe in declarations. I believe that there's power in words. And I believe that when we say something, sometimes in faith, there's something about what we're speaking in faith when it aligns with the word of God that has power over us to start to do something inside of us that we don't see readily, but we see through the eyes of faith. So here's, here's the declaration that I have for you this morning. And I want us to say together, are you ready? Are you ready? I am, a saint, I am a saint set apart for a purpose, for a purpose. To, live to live out every day. Say it again. I am a saint, I am a saint. Set, apart a purpose, set apart for a purpose to live out every day. Without One more time. I am a saint, am a saint. Set, apart a purpose, set apart for a purpose to live out every day. Out every day. Do you believe it? Yes. If you don't believe it, believe it in faith because I'm going to show it to you this morning in Scripture. I am a saint. Now, the Apostle Paul understood something. He understood this principle that I believe is all throughout the Bible. And you could easily miss it. That any time God calls you to something, he always changes your name for first. He always gives you a new identity that you follow and live up to. And this, this in our humanity, messes with us. Because... We don't see ourselves as saints. In fact, I remember um, being in a men's Bible study with a group of guys uh, when I was in business. And, and God just really had me in this season where he was doing some things inside my heart. Uh, you know, growing up, I had some father wounds and some things that the Lord was trying to really work on me and work on my heart. And, and, he, and he called me to start uh, with a couple of other guys, a men's group. So we get together together. We would read the Bible together. We would pray together. Uh, we'd, we'd pray for each other. And God started moving powerfully in some of these meetings. And some more guys started coming. But I remember there was this one guy. One guy, right? There's always the one guy in the group. One lady in that group. And there was the one guy who he'd come every week. And, you know, we, we believed in confession. Like, we would actually open up to each other and be real. That's why our men's ministry here is called Real Men's Ministry. Like, we don't want to come in, you know, just fake and... You know, how about them giants, bro? Like, yeah, good. You know, like, what do you do? What do you do? And talk about superficial stuff and not be real with each other. And so we talk about real stuff. We talk about our real struggles. But this one guy every week came with the same struggles. And I remember he kept saying this thing over and over every time he'd talk about his struggles. And he'd be like, yeah, guys, you know, I I messed up again. And I'm just a scum-sucking sinner. You know, saved by grace. And, I'm just, and, and he would say that. I'm just a scum-sucking sinner, you know. And one day, there was just something that rose up in me, like a, a holy anger. And I, I banged my fist on the table, and I said, I said, look at me. I said, you are not a scum-sucking sinner. That is who you used to be. My Bible says that you are a son of God, that you are holy, that you're a saint, that you're not a sinner. And you've got to stop saying that and declaring it over yourself because every time that you say it, you're agreeing with the enemy that is trying to get you to believe that you are a scum sucking sinner and you're never going to change because that's all you ever are. It's all you ever have been. It's all you're ever going to be. And we have a very real enemy that wants to keep you in this cage, in this prison with the labels that he's stuck on you and that he's put on you and the world has put on you to hold you back from fully stepping into your true identity as a saint, as a son of God, as a daughter of the Most High who's part of a royal family that has been set apart, that has a holy purpose, that's a part of this, this ecclesia, this assembly, if you will, that has been called to change and make a difference in this world for eternity. You know, I was, I, was, I was watching the news and I'm watching everything just like many of you are that's happening in our world right now. And I'm looking at what's happening, the, the, the events that have happened over the last couple of years that I believe started with COVID. What I see was more than a virus. It was, it was a, a unleashing of hell on the souls of human beings trying to pull as many away from God as possible that you know that you have a real enemy that is out to steal kill and destroy the work of God in your life and I believe that it was more than a virus that it was an all-out assault on not only the church but people that the enemy knows that there's a destiny there's a calling that God has called you out of darkness, and yet that darkness is over the earth right now. And I believe that the reason that there's so much darkness is because the church needs to be reawakened to its true identity and who we are and what we're called to until we do that. We're losing a generation. We're losing our marriages. We're losing our families. We're losing communities and I'm here to stir some stuff in you. I feel like I've got a mandate from God and from the Holy Spirit to reawaken the church and to reawaken you to your true calling, your true purpose and your destiny in Christ Jesus. You're saint. You're saint. You're saint. So now look, Paul understood this biblical principle that every time transformation begins when you start to see yourself the way God sees you. So you look all, through, it's all throughout the Bible. Anytime that God changes somebody, he, he calls them by a different name. He changes the name. No longer will you call Abram, now you'll be called Abraham, father of all nations. In the middle of that being the very furthest thing from the reality that they're experiencing. And this is the problem. God calls you a saint, and yet it's not your earthly experience, yet it's who God says you are. And this is why we need faith to begin to walk out our calling and our identity. And my Bible says that, um, I think it's in Romans four seventeen, where He where God is talking about Abraham. And he's talking about how that he is the God that brings dead things back to life and calls things as they are, even though they are not. And so God will touch your life and he will call you and put an identity on you and give you something that is seemingly impossible for you to imagine in your own mind because it's it's further from your experience. Paul understood this. Jesus did it with Peter. He said, "You are now called Peter. You're no longer called Simon, you're called Peter, a rock in the middle of Peter, crazy Peter who's all over the place. He's an emotional basket case. He's a wreck. One day he's like, "You are Christ." You know, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, well done. Flesh and blood hasn't said that to you. The next day, he's like, how dare you, Jesus, go to the cross? That's never going to happen to you. And Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. Like, this is Peter. He's anything, anything but stable. He's anything but a rock. Yet Jesus says, from now on, you're a rock. He calls Gideon when, God, when he calls Gideon. Gideon is literally hiding in a barn from his enemies and God shows up in the form of an angel and says, "Greetings, mighty warrior! <laughs> mighty war? Who's who's the mighty warrior? <laughs> Not me." I'm, I'm chicken man you know I'm, I'm just hiding out in this barn hoping I stay alive and God says no 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 no. I'm calling you a mighty warrior there's some of us we got to get this this morning because I believe that the enemy's been beating up the people of God trying to not have them understand their true identity and calling as a saint of God and so there there's this Paul understood this principle uh, check it out he starts uh in in Romans When he writes to the churches, do you understand Paul was called, he had a calling and Paul understood his calling and he was encouraging the churches as churches were beginning to start and this beautiful movement was happening. Paul understood this biblical principle that we live up to our labels, that we live up to our identity. And so you've got to get this this morning. So watch Romans chapter one, verse seven. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be what? Saints called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look again in 1 Corinthians. He's writing to the church in Corinth. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Let's pause right there for a second. See, Paul understood something that he was called. He was set apart for purpose to live out every day, and Paul understood it. It's something that you have to understand, that you have a calling on your life, That you're you're not just called from something. Like God didn't just save you out of darkness to bring you into his light just to have you be in the light. He called you to live and walk in the light as he is in the light. And as you live in the light daily, every day as a saint, that God is going to lead you progressively more and more into the calling that he has for you as you seek him. As you pray, as you press into it. As your eyes are open to say, God, show me more and more who I am. As you read your Bible, this is why you've got to read your Bible every day. It's not just something that you have to do. It's something, it it is who you are. And when you read the word of God, you're reminding yourself, you're training yourself. This is who God says I am. Man, you get bombarded with so much of the world who says you are. And the labels that the world wants to put on you. And some of you know very well what I'm talking about. You've lived under those labels all your life. I'm not good enough, not smart enough, and doggone it, people don't like me. I don't fit in. God is disappointed in me. I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too old, I don't know enough Bible, haven't been in church long enough, I don't know theology, and all these things, I've been divorced, I was raped, I've got this hidden sin in my life. I'm an addict. And all those labels that the enemy wants to put on you are holding you back from stepping into your true identity as a saint, set apart for a purpose, to live out every day. In fact, there's this um, there's an amazing book by a guy named James Clear. I don't know if he's a believer or not. I think he is because he tapped into this biblical principle that I'm talking about that you live up to your labels. And he wrote this book called Atomic Habits, atomic being the smallest particle. And and the whole premise of the book is the way we change is we implement small changes every day that over time get compounded and ultimately change who we are. And yet he, he points out so brilliantly that most of us go about trying to change the wrong way. Like we have New Year's resolutions, we have goals, and what he says is the the major problem we're not seeing change in our lives is that we're trying to change the wrong things. We're trying to modify our behavior. We're trying to change what we do. And he says that's the opposite approach to where real transformation happens. And he says, real change doesn't begin with changing what you do. It begins by realizing who you are. Is when you change your identity and how you see yourself, then you start to live up to your label of who God says you are. And so too many of us are living life with these labels that we've picked up our whole life, maybe, and we're living to the the degree... Of what those labels say about us and I'm here to break off some of those labels today that the enemy has tried to hold you back and put on you and to call you up to a higher place that God is calling you to live up to who he says you are that you're a saint set apart for a purpose to live out every day so what does this look like I I, I got a quote from you I just want to share a little bit from the book because man This hit me so hard when I saw He's like, I'm like, man, he tapped into a biblical truth. Listen to this. This is an excerpt from the book. It says, your behaviors are usually a reflection of your identity. What you do is an indication of the type of person you believe you are, either consciously or unconsciously. Research has shown that once a person believes in a particular aspect of their identity, they are more likely to act in alignment with that belief. For example, People who identified as being a voter were more likely to vote than those who simply claimed voting was an action they, were, they performed. Similarly, the person who incorporates exercise into their identity doesn't have to convince themselves to go to the gym. Doing the right thing is easy. After all, when your behavior and your identity are fully aligned, goes in line with what God was speaking through Marty last week, that alignment. When your identity is fully aligned, you are no longer pursuing behavior change. You're simply acting like the type of person you already believe yourself to be. Now look at this can happen in reverse too. He says when working against you though, identity change can be a curse. Once you've adopted an identity, it can be easy to let your allegiance to impact your ability to change. Many people walk through life in a cognitive slumber, blindly following the norms attached to their identity. I'm terrible with directions. I'm not a morning person. I'm bad at remembering people's names. I'm always late. I'm not good with technology. I'm horrible at math and a thousand other variations. When you have repeated a story to yourself for years, listen, it is easy to slide into these mental grooves and accept them as fact over time. In time, you begin to resist certain actions because that's not who I am. too many of us, we don't say yes to leading that Bible study. We don't say yes to serving. We don't say yes to the call that God has on our life because that's not who I am. And I believe that God wants to change how you see yourself. In fact, if you don't believe me, one more time in Ephesians chapter one, Paul would speak to the church in Ephesus and he would say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul knew who he was. He knew what he was called to, and he was living it out every single day by the will of God to the, what? The saints in Ephesus. Paul, the saints, you're a saint, you're a saint, you're a saint, you gotta get this, you're a saint, you're have a saint. And we, we, we get freaked out by that word, but, but we get that English word saint from the Latin word called sanctus. And sanctus simply means, it means holy, that you've been set apart. And, and this is where I think the disconnect happens we don't see ourselves as holy people and so we don't identify as a son of God a royal priest we don't, we don't identify ourselves as that because of this reason we think it's based on what we do and it's based on what Jesus did this is the crux of the gospel this is the good news We're not called saints because we deserve to be called saints. We're called saints because Jesus stood in my place as a sinner, took all of my sin on, nailed it to that cross, covered it with blood so that I could be a blood-bought, washed clean, free, it is finished, blood-bought saint of the most (laughs) high God. And I could be a part of the royal priesthood. And he goes on to say this, grace to you and peace from our God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Aren't you grateful for that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ? Whoa. Don't let that distract you. Come on. Just as he chose us, he chose you. And he chose you and chose you and chose you and chose you and chose you you before the foundation of the world. Before you were even born, my Bible says, my God knew you. Knew every hair on your head. That we should be what? Holy, blameless before him in love. love that kept him there when he was getting made fun of. You saved others, now save yourself. And he said, no, no, no. I love them too much. Paul would go on to say this to the church in Ephesus, having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, when I read that, I, I'm like, most days I feel like God just barely tolerates me. He kind of puts up with me but this reminded me that he knew me he knew all the sin that I would ever sin in my life he would know how I would forsake him he would know my failures he would know my flaws he would know my bad habits he would know all the ugly things that that you don't know about me God would know them and he would still choose me to the royal family so that you could have all the spiritual blessings that Jesus died to give you. And why? To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 7. So that as... In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. How many of you are grateful for the riches of His grace this morning? That I am forgiven, that I am free to walk in my true identity as a saint of God, set apart for a purpose. Now, for many of us, we don't know what that is. In fact, 86%, statistically speaking, of the church doesn't know what their purpose in life is too many of us, we're trying to figure out what that purpose is. And I just want you to know, if you're newer to Hope Church or you've been here for a while, part of the calling that I believe this church has is to help you find that purpose. That's why we do Discover class. That's why after this service, we're going to have some people gather in a room and we're going to help them try to discover how God made you, the passions he's put in you. Way that he's shaped you and formed you. Look, Ephesians 2.10 says this, that for we are God's workmanship. Some translations say masterpiece. The actual word in the Greek is the word poema. It's where we get the word poem from. And when you, when you get the picture, you've got to get the picture. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it reminds me and it reminds you that through your whole life, through the bad, the good, the ugly, God is working all things. He's working them into your life molding you into the person that he's made you to be so that you could fulfill the purpose for which he's called you. He says, you are God's workmanship, created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he planned for you long ago. Do you know that there are works, there are things that only you can do, that God has called you to do. He's called you and He set you apart for a specific purpose. God wants to use you. Many of you know this about me, but um, I might agree in psychology. I went, after I got saved, I felt God started giving me a calling. I started, my purpose wasn't clear. We're going to talk about this in one of the, I'm going to take a whole message series and talk about how we find our purpose in Christ and start to walk in that purpose. But for me, and most of us, it's a journey like we want God to just say this is what you the heavens open right and a voice from heaven says this is what you should do go here my son and that's not the way it works i felt God just leading me to go to college I wanted to help other people that were broken like me. And so I studied psychology in a Christian university, amazing college, the university. And I I minored in Bible, so I would have a good balance of Bible. I honestly think that the Holy Spirit is the greatest counselor we could ever go to, but he uses people and he works through people to help us. And so there is nothing wrong and nothing to be ashamed of. If you need to go to a Christian counselor, Christian, I mind you, because I believe it's important that we work out of a biblical mindset. I went to school, and um, I studied about this man named Abraham Maslow, brilliant guy, and he created this thing called the hierarchy of needs, and it was like this triangle, and his theory was that all of us have these innate needs that we were created with, born with. They start with physiological needs, like you need food and water, you need sleep, those things like, man, if you don't have those, you can't think about other things. That's your main focus, right? And once you get that tier done, then you could, you could go up to the next tier, which is uh, talking about your your need to be loved and accepted by other people, and then your need for esteem and, and who you are and those things. But it was interesting because after years of this theory being out, they revised, they went back because I, I don't know if Abraham Aslow got saved, He just had a Holy Spirit epiphany. But he went back and he revised his hierarchy of needs because what he realized was this. At the very top of the pyramid was this thing that he called transcendence. And what he meant by that was the very top of your need, once you have your basic needs met, is that you would transcend living for yourself and make a difference in the life of somebody else all of us the way that god created us was that you'll never have in fact i want to read to you exactly what he says and we'll we'll wrap up but he said this he said uh, um he said one finds the fullest realization in giving oneself to something beyond oneself so let me translate it to you in my terms your highest fulfillment your blessed life, because you know that in the Bible, fulfillment is similar to the word in the Bible for blessed. Like there's this deep down fulfillment, this joy that that you can only get, not by filling your life and getting your needs met and thinking about yourself and living this selfish life where it's all about me and I'm living the American dream, but you're not fulfilled. I see this in America so prevalent. Highest fulfillment, your blessed life comes from living for a purpose greater than yourselves. And that purpose is directly tied to making an eternal difference in the lives of other people. Message, version of Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. Look at the beauty in this. So you're wondering, okay, Pastor Lance, where do I go from here? What do I do? Well, here's where this journey of being a saint in everyday life begins. He says this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Now listen, He's not done. He says don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, don't do that. Fix your attention on God. And you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognized what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the label, to its level of immaturity. God brings the it might scare some of you, but simply put, to consecrate yourself. Anytime God called somebody and set them apart, he asked them to reciprocate. He says, I've called you, I've set you apart for a special purpose, but you gotta be willing to set yourself apart. Consecration is when we say, God, I'm gonna set myself apart for you. You can do what you want in me give you my life. I put it on the altar. I'm giving it to you. And I'm going to set my life apart. So what does this look like? For some of us, maybe you need to make some decisions about where you're at in your life. Today, as we close the service, maybe you need to come and lay down on the altar some things that are holding you back from fully stepping into the purpose for which you're called. With and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to create your life. with us God we thank you for your word that challenges us and changes us God today I pray for every single person come on if you're here today and this message just struck something in you I want you to raise your hands to heaven right now as I pray for you father I pray that you give us the courage to step into all that you have God I pray that you give us the courage to go all in with you today God I pray for those who have been pressed down by labels that they have put on them by the enemy and by people I break off every label that is stuck on them that is keeping them down from fully stepping into the fullness of who you've called them to be and what you've called them to do right now I break it off in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name and I release you in the name of Jesus to step into the fullness of all that God has for you because you're a saint set apart for a purpose to live out every day